Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. How confident are you when it comes to life's biggest money decisions? What is real financial peace and how can you get it? Chris Flaming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. They bring together the brightest minds to show you how to have a more confident financial future. They empower listeners with common sense concepts and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts, LPF Advisors. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host here, Chris Flaming, as always. And the information that I am providing on the show is strictly opinion, not necessarily that of our firm or the platform. I'm only providing the info as general education and not any customized advice or investment recommendations. You should always consult your financial, legal, tax uh, specialists or attorneys for your specific situation. And nothing that we discuss today shall be construed as actual financial tax or legal advice. Wow, that's a lot of words there. So today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Jana Shabbat to the show. She is a hands-on vocal advocate working for a Florida-based legal firm. She specializes in personal injury, medical malpractice, and wrongful death situations. Jana, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Good morning. It's great to be here. Yeah, awesome. So you have kind of an interesting history of how you got to be where you are today. So why don't you just kind of take me through briefly how you came to be where you are now? Yeah, it is really kind of interesting. I actually started off at FIU here in Miami undergrad, going for a psychology degree with mm. a minor. wasn't really sure exactly what route I was going to take, but at the time I was a tutor at Kumon Learning Center and I had been tutoring for five years and then I became a preschool teacher. So I always thought I was going to end up somewhere helping people in a way, but you know, it just didn't work out that route. I ended up going through Boston University's online program to get Mm -hmm. my certificate. Mm -hmm. And I worked for a foreclosure defense firm uh, for two years. And after my first year as a paralegal, I decided, you know what, we're going to go to law school, we're going to do it and study for the LSAT. And I went to Loyola in New Orleans. And then I found my way back home um, after graduation. And I found Goldberg and Rosen. And I've been here since. Okay, so that, well, two things there that you said. The first one is, is it's interesting you had a background in psychology. I I was a psychology major too. So look what I'm doing. So it's amazing psychology majors where they end up uh, in their careers because there's so many ways that you can go with that. And I'm sure you would agree. You use a lot of psychology in working with clients um, like I do um, because they're emotional things. But uh, was there a was there a reason or how did you come to choose the area of law that you focused on? Was it a result of who you were working for or was there a life experience you went through or a situation that caused you to focus? Yeah, um, I actually was involved in an accident that I thought was pretty minor when I was younger, Mm -hmm. um, early 20s. And the car I was driving was it was a 2010 Honda Accord. So those things are built right? And when, you know, I was rear-ended, there was no damage to the vehicle. I didn't think anything of it. And I was just like, okay, we're going to be fine. We're just going to move on. Not a problem. I left, the other driver left. And a few weeks later, um, all of a sudden I was just stuck. My back Mm -hmm. was out. I couldn't move at 22 years old. I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so 
after law school and finding my way to Bolberg and Rosen and learning about what they do, you know, it really resonated with me because of the experience I went through. I was unaware that, you know, just because you feel okay right after the the accident happened, that doesn't mean that sometimes your injuries can take a few days or a few weeks to really appear. So that's really how I, I made my way into personal injury. Okay. Okay. I like that. Thank you. And I know in general that you've been in practice for uh, a few years with the company. So I'm curious though, if you could go back in time, maybe talk to the younger you, the young, mm-hmm. give that person some advice when they're starting out, something that you know now that you wish you knew then, what do you think that that would be? I wish that I knew how much I would love working attorney um, mm. and in PI because I graduated FIU in 2015. I didn't start law school until 2018. So I wish I had known how much I was going to love it. And I would have just gone directly into it so that I could have a few more years already under my belt. Okay. So there's a lot of misconceptions that people have about personal injury and attorneys and things like that. So what, what do you think are maybe some of the biggest ones that people hold or that they have about what you do or what you can do? I think the biggest misconception is that they think personal injury attorneys are just out there for, for money. Mm. You know, they just think that we're looking for injured clients and we're going to take a bulk of the money that we get in settlements for them. And that's really not the case. We try to do everything that we can because, you know, the monetary compensation is the only way that they can, you know, they can get paid for their injuries under mm-hmm. this. So, we will do everything to get the most amount of money for a person. And if it ends up that we would have to reduce our fees because we're contingency based. So mm-hmm. if we have to reduce our fees in order for our clients to get more money, we'll do that. So there's a big misconception on on what we as attorneys do. And, and unfortunately, people don't understand that we really do want to help others who have been injured. Yeah. And I guess along those lines, when someone uh, has a, an injury or uh, something happens to them and they're looking for an advocate or an attorney to represent them, what, what are some things that you think that they should be considering? The intake call is very important. They have to have a conversation with the attorney and the attorney has to explain everything to them. Mm-hmm. You know, They should definitely call a firm that is reputable, firm that's been around for a while. You don't want somebody who's just starting off unless they are have been an attorney for a few years and they were out of firm previously and they have the experience because they learned from someone or if you know you're speaking to somebody and they're at a firm that's been established for years and they might be relatively new but they still understand the process and mm-hmm. what you know what you have to look for to analyze a case so you definitely want to make sure that in that conversation you're asking the attorney questions as well and it's not just the attorney you know telling you yeah this is a case or no this is not a case okay and do, do you have kind of like an ideal client that you like to work with honestly i just i like to work with anybody who's injured i've always been a person that likes to help others even when you know i don't know remember in school, we had to do service hours. Mm-hmm. I was always in something to help. I, my, my longest service hours project was working with um, a therapy location for kids with autism. So I always loved helping people and finding a way to help. So if someone has been injured and it's not their fault, I want to help you in any way that I can. 
Okay. And what can people expect when they work with you? Maybe just on a high level, talk about your process or how you you go about um, partnering with someone in a case. So my process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So when we first get our info calls, uh, I speak to a client. We like to go over what we look for and we go, as we call it the three parts of a case we look for liability. We need to make sure that there is a case because if there's nobody at fault for the injury, um, then there's nothing that we can do. Mm-hmm. So we first look at liability. Who's at fault? In an accident, did this person rear-end you? Did they T-bone you? Did they run a red light, a stop sign? You know, we have to look at all the factors. And the next thing that we look for is insurance, because if there's no insurance, then there's nothing that we can recover for you. Most attorneys, I don't know of any that are going to go after somebody without insurance. Mm-hmm. And the third thing that we look at are damages. And your damages are your injuries that you've uh, sustained from whatever accident or incident that has happened to you. So that is the first thing. And that's the first conversation that I and a lot of the, all of the attorneys at my firm have with our clients. And once we go over that, we then discuss, you know, the retainer agreement and the fees and we break it down how we're contingency and we only get paid if we get them money, you know, they, they're not on the hook for anything for us. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning process. And then throughout is, you know, keeping them updated. Yeah, I give my cell phone to almost all of my clients. They can text me. That's always a really good way to reach me. Or they can email me. But I do like text just because I always have my phone on me. And so I give them updates. I explain things. And then when we get the insurance disclosures, I try to really explain that just because a policy might be, you know, 25, 50, if it's on the higher end, 100, um, or if it's a commercial policy, maybe a million. I have to, you know, really explain to them that just because that's the limit, that may not be what is recoverable, you know, mm-hmm. dependent on what your injury is. Mm-hmm. I try to really explain that so they don't have, they don't get their hopes up and think, oh, there's $100,000 of insurance. We're going to for sure get $100,000. Mm-hmm. I try to make sure that my clients really understand that. And from there, it's just keeping them updated and they have to keep me updated as well because, you know, with their injuries, they need the proper medical treatment and, you know, we work hand in hand together. So I'm wondering as you're kind of going through your process, um, the emotional roller coaster, right, that people go through because a lot of times it's the first time they've ever gone through something like this and you have experience with it. So what, what do you see as people's biggest fears or concerns that you commonly encounter? You know, like they might say, well, I just hope this doesn't happen or I just want this to be the case. So what do you run into? Right. So we definitely get a lot of, oh, I just want it to be over. And of course you want it to be over, especially when you have catastrophic injuries, you have a death case, um, someone unfortunately passed away in an accident of some kind. So the families just, they want it to be over. And we absolutely understand that. But at the same time, you have to, uh, we try to get our clients to understand it's not always up to us how quickly the process moves, right? Mm -hmm. There's a pre-litigation process in it. And that's also another misconception people have. They think that you're going to go to an attorney and automatically get into a lawsuit and sue somebody. But there's a whole pre-litigation process where the case can settle before a lawsuit even gets filed. Mm -hmm. So it does take time. And I just want to get it over. I understand it. And I try to 
to set their expectations. And I try to update them as much as possible so they understand, you know, this is the case is moving. We're doing what we need to do, but they're, you know, we're trying to negotiate too. We mm-hmm. don't things. Mm-hmm. We to our clients. Okay. And th- it can be a high stress situation um, for the, for the clients. And so you, a little, you alluded to this a little bit. Um, is that how you help them to de-stress the process is, is communication the most important thing or, or what is it? No communication. Absolutely. Because sometimes clients will call in and they may, they've have gone through the process before and they've used a previous attorney. A mm. lot of complaints we get is that there was no communication. They never got an email response. They never got phone calls. So that's why I give my cell phone number to my clients and they can text me. If they want an update, I can either send them an update or I can just give them a quick call, let them know what's going on because it does help them understand what is happening throughout the whole case. And they're not just sitting there in limbo wondering, is my attorney working on my case? Is it moving forward? Are they negotiating? It's not a guessing game. Mm-hmm. That way they can, you know, feel a little bit more at ease and know that we are working for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can see where that would, because that is the biggest, you know, well, thing that we find when clients come to us from other advisors, maybe usually it wasn't a question of performance or, you know, I didn't like the website. It's usually communication. Um, they didn't feel like they were heard or listened to. Okay. So I can see where that'd be really important. Let's shift gears just a little bit, Jana. I'm curious for you, what do you kind of see as your biggest opportunity moving forward in your career? Maybe future goals that you have or things you want to accomplish? So right now, I've been with Goldberg and Rosen for a few years, for a couple of years now. I'm going into my third year with them. My goal is really to help as many people as I can. Mm. That's what I want to do. And I feel like I can do that here. Uh, the firm. So my long-term goal is to just, you know, keep, keep working, keep learning from the partners. The partners are amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are always around when I need them. And I want to just become the best in the field. Mm -hmm. And so that is really what I'm focusing on now. And, you know, the next few years, it's just trying to become one of the best PI attorneys in South Florida or Florida in general. Okay. I think you should expand. It should be all of Florida. What's why, why, why just, why just have a small area? Let's go big. (laughs) Let's dream big. Okay. And maybe on the flip side of that, what do you see as a challenge or an obstacle, something that you want to tackle or overcome? in the future going forward? I think it's something that a lot of people in this field deal with and it's kind of a, a sense of of doubt. Mm. It's just you doubt your ability sometimes and you're fearful that you're going to do something that that it's in the best interest of the client, but you have to sit there and you have to explain to the client and then they might start with you. And, you know, it's there's a, f- a fear that you don't want the clients to, to be upset with you, but you mm. also very realistic with them. You have to tell them, you know, what the case is looking like. And so there's, there's definitely. I think they call that the imposter syndrome. Have you ever heard that term? Imposter syndrome is like, uh, well, I mean, I've ran into this myself, like you're comparing yourself to other people in the room or you're asking, Mm -hmm. am I I good enough? Or am I good enough for this situation? Or am I good enough at this? Um, And yeah, I think a lot of people in service business struggle 
with that or have thoughts of that anyway, um, where they might feel intimidated, not by somebody else, but just they're doing it to themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, again, you want you want to do what's best for your client. You want the best outcome for them. And so, you know, you're learning from all these amazing attorneys. And sometimes you might fear that you're not par with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely there's an imposter syndrome in this field for sure. Yeah. OK. So those things run common across industries. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Jana, if people want to learn more about you or they want to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can call the office line, uh, 305-374-4200, or they can just shoot me an email. My email is my first name, Jana, J-A-N-A, at goldbergandrosen.com. And the and in the email is A-N-D? Yes. It's filled out? Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, Jana, listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. This was a good conversation, and I had a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're hoping to raise the financial education level of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Be well. Take care. Jonna, thanks again. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.